Luke chapter 2, I'm going to begin in verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. What do you believe about Christmas? Years and years ago, there, were a, there was a church play. And I remember our own church play. It was when we were in the upper room and Carolyn, who was singing, was she played Marion, of all things, Jonathan played Joseph in, in our, our school play of, of, of Christmas. It was called Searching for the King. And Jonathan only had one line. And, and Carolyn was so upset because she was so much taller than Jonathan. And it didn't make sense to her that Mary would be taller than Joseph. In one school, in, in one church play, there was a young man who played Joseph and they come to the part of the play where, where Joseph is pleading with the innkeeper that his wife is pregnant and they desperately need a place to stay. And, and the, the, the kid in the play playing Joseph started begging the innkeeper and pleading with the innkeeper using evidence and persuasion and passion to convince the innkeeper to please let his pregnant wife into the room. And he goes, look, look, I'm not supposed to do it, but come in. <laughs> he was so taken away by the kid's speech that he decided he was going to change the story. 
And sometimes I think that we live in a world where people want to change the story. But in Luke's chapter 2, we see that a son really is delivered. In verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Everybody wanted it to be a happy, joyous, bright celebration. But I'm going to suggest to you that this place where Jesus is born, according to most scholars, and I've been to Bethlehem and I've been to the place that was once a cave that they literally carved out of the side of a, of, of a limestone outcropping and they literally dug a, 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 a trough in a rock in order for the, the animals in order to, to feed. And you'll note it was in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. We know the song. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lays down his sweet head. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. It's such a beautiful picture. But it's probably not the correct picture. It was probably dark and dirty and difficult. According to a Pew Research poll, about nine out of every 10 Americans will celebrate Christmas. That's 92%. When you were driving over here to church, you probably passed empty parking lots all the way here. Empty roads and even empty churches. It's interesting to me that the vast majority of non-Christians celebrate Christmas. 81% according to the Pew Research. Nearly every American will celebrate this almost 96%. But the 96% of people celebrating Christmas include people who have no religion whatsoever. 87%. Asian American Buddhists, 76%. Even Hindus will celebrate Christmas, 73%. One out of every three Jews will celebrate Christmas. And the Pew Research suggested that this is probably because so many Jewish women are married to Gentile men or Jewish men are married to Gentile women. In the Pew poll, it said that some 51% of Americans celebrate Christmas more as a religious holiday, but roughly 32% said, hey, it's more of a tradition and a, and a cultural holiday. Another interesting aspect of the poll was that Americans largely believe that the main elements of the Christmas story were actual historical events. Seven in ten People, that's 73%, say that number one, Jesus was born to a virgin. 81% believed he was laid in a manger. 
the same amount acknowledged that he was almost certainly guided by wise men or, or a star and, and that he was given frankincense and myrrh and, and gold, 75%. And, and number four, an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds and announced the birth of Jesus, 74%. Nearly two-thirds of United States adults, that's about 65%, believe to a certain extent that all four of those things actually happened. Almost 15% of the people who celebrate Christmas don't actually believe any of it happened. The survey found that 86% of Americans exchange gifts with friends and family as a part of celebrating the holiday. In another survey, the the majority said that buying and receiving gifts made them feel joyful, 83%. Generous, 78%. But there was a considerable minority that said that it made them feel stretched financially thin, 46%. Stressed out, 36%. Fewer than half of the United States adults, 45%, said that they were looking forward a lot to giving and receiving gifts. The giving and receiving for some has become quite a difficulty. In recent years, there's been controversies about Starbucks cups and nativity scenes. In our culture and society, people have latched on to this whole nativity scene thing. There are zombie nativity scenes. There are hipster nativity scenes. There are billboards that announce to us, hey, skip church. For many, their first picture of Jesus is in a manger. But for the Bible, the first picture isn't the last picture. This tiny, helpless child will grow up. This child will live the most amazing life and say the most amazing things. He arguably will be the most impacting person who has ever lived. And according to the Bible, he will die for sin and he will come back to life and he will judge the nations. And that judgment will be based on how they view him, how they see him, not just simply at the beginning of his life, or even simply in the middle of his life, but all of his life and all of his deeds. In Luke's gospel, the Christmas story is stark and simple and direct. There are no trees or lights, just a cave, a manger, a feeding trough. No room. The census that Augustus had ordered flooded the small town of Bethlehem with travelers from all around the Mediterranean. And the narrative doesn't give us any information whether or not Joseph or Mary received any help whatsoever. There's no mention of 
people coming along to provide support. There's no mention of even a midwife. Despite our nativity scenes and Christmas postcards, the scene almost certainly was dark and dirty. And everything about his birth seemed obscure, even bordering on unbelievable. Bethlehem was a hub for the raising and selling of sheep. It had been for decades. It was in Bethlehem where they provided most of the lambs for the sacrifice in the temple nearby. And the shepherds who are keeping watch are doing so because it's going to generate a livelihood. According to Josephus, at this time when sheep are being raised, they're going to need not just 10 or 20,000 or even 30,000. They're going to need closer to 100,000 plus sheep in order to satisfy the sacrifices that were taking place just only a few miles away. And in verse 9, we see that the Savior is declared. Look what it says. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The messenger... An angel of the Lord. According to the Bible, this is a supernatural being who makes his way and breaks into the ordinary, common, everyday existence. And what is the angel's message? Don't be afraid. Do you know why? Because... The repetitive stories of the Old Testament seem to indicate that whenever an angel showed up, it wasn't good. When angels showed up in the Old Testament, it was usually because judgment was about to take place or you were about to die. But now the judgment, now the angel appears for a much different reason. It's not for bad news. It's for good news. Good news which will bring great joy. Look what it says in verse 10. To all people. In the original language it says, it it uses an interesting term, laos. It, it, It seems to include everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere, good tidings, good news would become the very word that Christians would use for generations in the future to describe what's happening. It's called the gospel. You've heard that word, gospel. It means this very thing, the good news. And by the way, that's the word that will be used When the young church begins to grow and expand. 
It's the word that's used in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, in Acts chapter 10, verse 36, in Acts chapter 14, as the church is going and growing and spreading and blossoming. It's always with the good news. You see, the primitive church was a good news church. This good news would bring great joy because the news would incorporate everything that the Jewish people and later humanity was really looking for. And this is why the angel uses that expression. It's, it's to answer the question, what are you looking for? What are you waiting for? What are you longing for? It's interesting to me that at Christmas time, it's a question that most people, people who don't identify themselves as Christian, people who don't go to church, people who could care less about what the Bible has to say, they're still asking themselves the question, what is it that I need? What is it that I'm looking for? What is it that I'm waiting for? What is it that I'm longing for? And this is the story that offers the answer that almost every heart is asking. The birth has such profound implications. The angel speaks of the location of the birth and then gives a description of the baby's identity and destiny. The birth of Jesus will mark the beginning of the greatest event in human history. And for thousands of years, humanity had anticipated the birth of this baby, of this person, so much so that the vast, overwhelming majority of Western civilization literally dates our chronologies from his birth. You know, it's very easy to take a little journey, B.C., that's before Christ, and you can take a journey and you can follow the journey into the past of humanity's history and see the unfolding story of what it meant to be human. And then you can mark this point, the birth of Jesus, and walk into the future and see clearly the difference Again, some Jewish people were waiting for a savior. They were waiting for a savior who would deliver them from Roman rule. Others hoped that Christ the Messiah would deliver them from persistent illness or poverty or disability. There were people who were looking for hope. They were looking for someone who could give them hope and give them grace or give them prosperity or, or give them sensibility or give them wholeness and wellness. But some were actually even looking for a Messiah who would deal with the problem of sin and the difficulty of sin 
and the problem of sin and how far could this child's mission and ministry really reach? J.I. Packer, that great theologian, writes, the Christmas message is that there's hope for a ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ becomes Poor. He's born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. It was J. Sidlow Baxter who wrote, Bethlehem and Golgotha, the manger and the cross, the birth and the death must all be seen together. And this is the untold story at Christmas. Because the Bible encourages us to talk not simply about a birth, but also about a death. The Lord Jesus will offer more than just a temporary political solution or physical or psychological solution to the problems that human beings face. He's looking for a more permanent solution to what's going on inside of your heart. To answer the questions that you care the most about. The child is the savior. And it's interesting, this word savior is used to refer to Jesus in only two places. Two times in the gospel. Here as the angels declare his birth. And one other place. In John's gospel, chapter 4, verse 42, where the Samaritans who come to believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, chapter 4, verse 42, to the Greeks and the Romans, they would use this very special word, Savior, to describe their rulers. As a matter of fact, they imprinted it forever on their coins. When they would mention Julius Caesar or Augustus Caesar, they would stamp in Latin soter, which means savior or deliverer. In a very real sense, this is exactly what this king is, the real king. The real deliverer. And the angel leaves no doubt concerning the child's identity. The angel leaves no doubt that this is the one. Not just that Israel had been waiting for. But that the entire world had been waiting for. It's still true, isn't it? Jesus is still the one the world is waiting for. My friend Max Lucado writes something very interesting. I, I met Max when we were together at Ground Zero after the tragedy of 9-11. And I had credentials in order to go down, and he did not have credentials. And I hate to admit it to you, but I snuck him into ground zero. Max Lucado writes, there are many reasons God saves you to bring glory to himself, to appease his justice, 
to demonstrate his sovereignty. But one of the sweetest reasons God saved you is because he's fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you're the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. He writes, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. And whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he chose your heart and the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem. He writes, face it, friend. He's crazy about you. I love that. I think it captures the absolute truth about what is being said. In verse 12, we see the sign described. It says, and this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Whatever it is that you're looking for, the angel says, you're looking for a child. You're looking for a specific child. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. This was poor fabric that was woven thin, that was often used to bury the dead. Even now in the, in the Middle East, in the ancient Middle East, they would wrap the baby's arms and legs to give the baby a sense of comfort and security. He says, what you're looking for is a child, but not just any child, a child in a feeding trough, a child in a cave. In a dirty, dark, humble circumstance. You see, you may have been looking in all the wrong places. For absolutely the wrong person. What do children look for on Christmas Day? You know the answer. Pretend it's a Pentecostal church and you can talk to me. What are children looking for on Christmas Day? Presents. presents. Some adults are looking for presents as well. But do you know what happens when you get older, boys and girls? You begin to look for something way more important than presents. You begin to look for grace and mercy. Forgiveness, joy, and hope. You know, part of unwrapping a gift is the joy of receiving that gift. Special gifts require special wrap. This week I read in Korea they have a special custom. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Pojaji. It's spelled P-O-J-A-G-I. In the Korean culture, they wrap special gifts in bright, colorful, careful patterns. A pojoji wrapping cloth means that this gift is significant. And the giver intends great good for the person who's going to receive the gift. In that culture and society, the wrapping is as important as the gift. And it's interesting to me when I read that because 
God will wrap his son in human flesh. He'll give him a body. When Jesus comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. John writes, the word becomes flesh in John chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus will become fully human. He is fully God. He is the Christmas gift. God gives himself infinite, pure, perfect to you and me. Look what it says. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. A lot of people will celebrate Christmas. Some won't. But when Jesus is born, it demands a celebration. Look what it says in verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. In the story, the angels returned to heaven. In the story, the shepherds returned to Bethlehem. And they make widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And what was that saying? The child is the Savior. The child is the Christ. The child is the Lord. And the shepherds would tell everyone, they would tell everyone who was willing to listen to them what they had seen and what they had heard. You know, often people who tell all that they have seen and heard about the birth of Jesus are politely ignored. You might want to do that. You may have already done that. Maybe last night you wanted to tell everyone what you've seen and heard about Jesus. And you might want to do the same after you leave church today. I want to tell everyone what I saw and what I heard about Jesus. And some of you will be heard. And some of you will be politely ignored. Some of you might even be impolitely ignored. Someone might just say something like this. Why would you want to ruin Christmas by talking about Jesus? You laugh, don't you? the absurdity of such a statement. What else do we have to celebrate? In verse 18 it says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Think for a moment. Why listen to shepherds? Shepherds were, after all, ignorant, 
superstitious, easily deceived. And why in the world would anyone want to listen to me or to you? Because people will sometimes see you as ignorant, superstitious, easily deceived. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. And start with what you know best. Start with what he's done in your life. You know, there are people who don't want to hear the story. Or they want to change the story. But no one has the right to change the story of what Jesus has done in your life. And so tell it. Tell him what he's done. It's not simply your words that will have an impact on them. It's the reality of your changed life. Surely the shepherds told both Joseph and Mary all that the angel had said to them. How else could the shepherds explain their presence and their intrusion at something so personal and private as a baby being born. Those of you who are mothers, if you had your baby at home or if you had your baby at a hospital, can you imagine if, if 10 or 12 people burst into your hospital room and they said, we've come to see your child. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. There's certain things that are private It makes perfect sense that something supernatural has happened. And so it gave Mary a lot to think about. Look what it says in verse 19. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. One translation reads, But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. That word treasure means to deeply reflect. It means to Keep in mind, it means to safely store. It means to search for a deep understanding and then interpret what's happened. Mary has a lot to think about. A child who is God. Gabriel told her the child would reign forever. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31 and 33, the shepherds report the angel's words that he's the Savior, that he's the Christ, that he's the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 11, she must have wondered, what, what, what is God doing? And who will my son grow up to be? In verse 20, it says, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that he had heard and seen as it was told them. The shepherds returned to the fields. You know why, don't you? They're shepherds. They tend sheep. They return to the fields because... Sheep sometimes wander away. And they have a job to do. Because sheep give birth to lambs. 
and lambs will be necessary for the sacrifice in the temple. And after today, people will return to their jobs. They'll go back to what they were doing. But I wonder how many will glorify and praise God. I wonder how many know that they have a special message and a special privilege. Because just like the shepherds, they see the child. These shepherds are the first to see the promised child, a son, a savior, a sign, a celebration. For some of you, the celebration has already taken place. And for some of you, the celebration is just a few minutes away. What did you get for Christmas? Was it found beneath a tree? What did you get for Christmas? Was it found at Calvary? What did you get for Christmas? A gift from God on high? What did you get for Christmas? Jesus came to die. What did you get for Christmas? Grace and goodness whole? What did you get for Christmas? A clean and perfect soul? What did you get for Christmas? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful for your love and the ultimate gift and the most satisfying one. So many will look under a tree. But Lord, we pray that even in this quiet moment that we would look under a different tree. A cross made of wood. Lord, I pray that at some point in the celebration, we would find ourselves in that place where we can receive the most important gift that has ever been given. A gift of forgiveness. A gift of life. A gift of love. A gift of hope. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the special privilege of being able to see the child and tell the story and then tell our story. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Sir.